You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big New Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. I mean, kind of go back to the Bandit Amateur in comparison to this one a little bit. I thought he came ready to play then. Went out of the gate. He, now, there's been many games he hasn't been locked in, to be honest with you, but you just, you know, basketball kind of becomes a safe haven a little bit for some of these guys. They get on the floor, they can kind of lock into what they've done their whole lives and, you know, put some of the uh, outside stuff that's out of their mind. So I, I thought Brandon did a great job really getting himself mentally prepared to play. And Judy was really aggressive tonight. I mean, we needed him to be aggressive. You know, we had a lot of our other guys that had been scoring ball well for us. I mean, Judy scored 70, 78 points. We only had two guys in double figures. It's not typical for this team. You know, we usually have pretty balanced scoring outside of that. You know, Sears has been good for us. Jade Bradley's been good. Clowney's been good. Mari's been shooting the ball pretty well. You know, he didn't make a shot tonight. So, you know, Brandon needed to be aggressive. He was. I thought. I thought he could tell early on he was trying to be extra aggressive. I mean, it was wasn't like he was. And they were doing a pretty good job defending them too. And they put all kinds of different matchups on. There you have it. That's Nate Hoats Oates from uh, last night in Columbia, South Carolina, where Alabama held on, held off, and hung on uh, to defeat South Carolina in overtime by a score seventy-eight to seventy-six. Big-time performance, as Nate Oates was just talking about, by Brandon Miller, as that saga continues to hang over the Alabama basketball program. But again, anytime we bring up the subject, I said, the most important thing about this is not Brandon Miller. It's not the situation. It's not Nate Oates. Um, it's Jamia Harris and her tragic passing and five-year-old son who uh, doesn't have a mother anymore. So... Uh, want to say that every time because uh, we do not need to lose focus. And um, actually, I think Nate Oates did uh, Tuesday. Uh, he has since apologized. Greg Byrne has come forward. Now, I don't know about you, Lars, but uh, it appears to me that Alabama just continues to kind of stumble over this entire issue. Am I way off base here? Uh, no, no. Um, but I do think... Um Nate Oates's post-game press conference and the comments he made last night were very sincere and from the heart, and uh, it felt genuine to me. Uh, and, and basically, he explained that when he spoke to the media uh, on Tuesday, uh, he was not aware of the information that had come out in that preliminary hearing. Uh, so, you know, this is a complicated situation. And then yesterday, 
just uh, five hours before tip-off, uh, Brandon Miller's attorney, Jim Stanridge, uh, he came out uh, with a lengthy statement that he sent to the media. And um, in the, in, in the uh, statement, he said that uh, Miller had no prior knowledge that Miles and uh, Michael uh, Buzz Davis... Uh, both of whom are charged with capital murder. Uh, the, he, that, that Brandon Miller had no prior knowledge that those two had been involved in a verbal altercation with Jamia Harris, the, the victim here, 23-year-old mother, or Cedric Johnson, a man that she was with at the time. And part of the statement read, Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in its exchange to Mr. Davis in any way and never knew that illegal activity involving the gun would occur. Um, And then Stanridge, he also disputed the claim, and this is important, uh, and, and look, this is this is Brandon Miller's lawyer. I mean, this is not sort of uh, 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 not you're not testifying under oath here. All right. But I'm just saying that that uh, that Stanridge Miller's lawyer, he disputed the claim that Miller's car was parked in a manner that blocked the vehicle that Harris was in. And he asserted that Miller had parked his car first when the Jeep driven by Johnson pulled up. But this contradicts that the, what the police had said earlier. The police testified that Miles texted Miller asking for a gun, to which Miller re- replied, quote, the heat is in the hat, unquote. Later, police said that Miller added, quote, there's one in the head, unquote, signaling that the gun was loaded. Now, look, Brandon Miller, as we know, has not been charged with any crime. But what his lawyer is saying, it, it runs in direct contradiction to what the police are saying, to what the lead investigator is saying. And uh, it's just, again, important to note that there's uh, that that that, uh, that that Brandon Miller's lawyer is not under oath. And so for those of those people in uh, who are who are interpreting this case through crimson colored glasses, there are a lot of unresolved issues here. It's not that Brandon Miller has not been he's not out of the woods. On, on this in, in, in my mind. And, and also, you know, we had Tommy Spina, uh, one of the top lawyers in the, in not just Alabama, in the entire South on for a full hour yesterday. And he made it very clear that, uh, that, that, that Brandon Miller, um, you know, that there, there still could be some issues, uh, going on here. Um, because uh, what his lawyer is saying is contradicting what the lead investigator is saying. Lars, I, I just want to right. make some. Yes. Uh, so that article is, is Miles that said the those, those statements that you said. It wasn't Miller. So um, I think when when he the, the heat in, in, in the hat that was made by Miles, not Miller. So okay. I, yeah. Y- yes. 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 That that's that. Yes. That that yes. That okay. 
that was a misstatement by me. Uh, I'm trying to juggle a lot of information here. No, you're fine. I just want to make sure. Um, you, yeah, I don't yeah, want. Yeah, no, no, that's a great correction. No, we all thank you. No, thank uh, you for thank you thank you for correcting that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but but the, the the question arises is okay if he got that text before he arrived on the scene, and and we've heard that Greg Byrne uh, has, has said that the, the text that he received, he got it when he uh, had already uh, was in the vehicle and on his way to the scene. Did he not know that that would sort of signal that something bad was about to happen? I mean, I, I think it's a fair question to raise. Um, but yes, I, I, I apologize. I, I misspoke there. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of uh, taking this from two different stories. And uh, one of the uh, reporters at SI.com was incredibly uh, sloppy in, <laughs> in, in, uh, in, in attributing that. And uh, I was also sloppy in, in not, uh, not, not, not being clear there. So anyway, well, there uh, are so many ways for, for this to be misinterpreted or it's just a, a total lack of knowledge. And then you get some knowledge, you think it's right, and then it flips around on you. But I, I want to go back to something real quick. And, and I don't mean to put either Christian or Lars on the spot here, but back to the addressing of the media by Nate Oates on Tuesday. Why do you step in front of microphones ill-prepared? I don't understand that. He said he didn't have all the information. Then why talk about the situation? And I'm the only one that, that sees a red flag there? Uh, good grief. Uh, don't talk about it if you don't know. And by the way, didn't Alabama do their own investigation into that? Shouldn't they have a certain amount of information based on their information? Doesn't Alabama have attorneys looking into this too? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused about the communication the, process. Yeah, I, I, I'm confused too. Like, who knew what, and when did they know it? I mean, that, 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 those are two yeah. very uh, important questions that haven't necessarily been answered. Um, and and and. Uh, and, and look, Alabama is still uh, the entire basketball program, athletic department is really uh, getting eviscerated uh, nationally. Um, you know, just driving down this morning from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa, because uh, I got class later on today, um, l listening to different national sports programs, this is all they're talking about. And they're talking about, you know, Alabama's a win-at-all-cost school. They're coddling their, uh, and protecting their star player, um, you know, on and on. But uh, I, I, I mean, I, mean I, I don't know. We, we've talked about it now for, for two straight days. Yeah. Uh, there's not much more to add other than, um, you know, I, I, I do think that, uh, Brandon Miller's attorney, Jim Stanridge, he, he, he made a powerful statement, you know, in, in responding sure uh, to what had gone down in the preliminary hearing. And, uh, and also, it's important to remember that the assistant district attorney said the, the reason why Brandon Miller hasn't been charged with a crime is because he committed no crime. 
and 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 Tommy they Spina. can't prove intent. Tommy Spina told yeah, and told that's us, what Spina told us yesterday. Yeah, yeah, they can't prove intent, and and also uh, this was a this was something that I did not know that it's not against the law to have a gun that is not registered to you to be in your vehicle and transporting that gun. I mean, Alabama's... Well, the way this reads, he had... It was under clothes. He had no idea it was back there. But then why the text and exactly. why the response? So exactly. I, I'm confused by by I, that greatly. And by I'm the way, just a note the, on the national the car, pundits. And the car, too. Uh, because that yeah. it, it's contradictory to what the lead investigator said. And if Brandon Miller has been uh, as cooperative as everyone uh, is saying he's been, then why why is there this contradiction in factual in in the facts here of how the car was parked? Well, the national media is as usual. They're very, very guilty of conclusion jumping. They are formulating their opinion before they get all the facts. So, uh, I really believe there are some national media guys. They're going to have to walk back. Uh, they're going to owe that if if they've got any journalistic integrity at all. Okay, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Uh, going to talk some the real basketball, which, by the way. Didn't you guys think it ended up it was a pretty good game? Uh, not if you're an Alabama fan because it was excruciating. It just continued to be like death by a thousand uh, cuts. But Miller throws up 41. Uh, and, man, he, he literally, if you want to ever see an example of somebody taking over a game, look at the last seven minutes of that one. Um, all of this other stuff aside, uh he was quite exciting to watch last night. Um, Amazing. 41 points. And, and by the way, uh, Alabama's basketball team right now is much like Alabama's football team has been over the past 12, 13 years. Everywhere they go, everywhere Alabama goes, they are getting absolutely everybody's best shot. I hadn't seen South Carolina play that good all year long. And they almost pulled off the upset. Brian Passink will join us at the bottom of the hour. And then next hour, we'll be joined by the Mick. Mixter, Mick Gillespie on Big Noon Sports. We gonna celebrate your party with you. Come on now. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Make plan. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Temperatures at record levels this afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, a small chance of a shower through tonight. The high today, 83, tonight's low 55. Noticeably cooler tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller. I'm going to jump right to Christian because I'm assuming, I don't know, he's from South Carolina. Maybe he took his private jet and flew up there and watched the game in person. <laughs> I know he watched it in TV. What would you think about the, the game just in general there, Christian? Uh, I have to be honest with you, Matt. I got caught up running errands yesterday, still working on these houses. So I, I only caught the last uh, few moments of it. Particularly, I really just saw the overtime, which is probably the best part. Um, so, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't ever got to really see it. Um, but I was, I was shocked though 
because I didn't really give South Carolina a lot of credit going into that game. Me neither. They, you know, uh, they I just struggled a lot this year. Alabama was 16 and a half point favorite. And I was like, man, I bet Alabama's just going to come out and just show that they're angry and just play yeah. and really play well. But man, South Carolina, they just went toe to toe with Alabama. And, uh, and and Brandon Miller had his best game, uh, you know, scoring a career high forty one, including the game winning layup uh, in the final second of overtime, and that forty one points is uh, the most by a freshman in Division One game this season, most by an Alabama freshman in program history, um, and uh, he also had the game tying layup with four point one seconds to play in regulation, and then the winner in overtime with point nine. Uh, seconds left on the clock and, and and Matt he did all this despite getting booed uh, by the crowd every time he touched the ball at Colonial Life Arena and members of the uh, of the student section chanting lock him up and chanting guilty uh, several times as Miller uh, as he was playing and just the the, the mental toughness that Brandon Miller displayed uh, was really impressive. And his ability to compartmentalize, and again, we, we, we don't, the last thing we want to do is minimize the events of, uh, of the, the tragic events that led, that led to uh, the shooting and the, and the death of the mother. But the, the ability of Brandon Miller yesterday, Matt, uh, to uh, just uh, focus on basketball was 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 really uh, just mind-boggling. I think Alabama loses this game by double digits if Brandon Miller doesn't play the way he does. I think the way the South Carolina fan and every if you didn't expect that, then you really don't know much about life. That was going to happen, uh, and it's not like they are at Cameron Indoor. Uh, they were in South Carolina. Fans got rowdy. Fans booed. Fans chanted. That's going to happen. But I think the more they did it, the more Brandon as you used a great word, Lars. Compart- uh, compartmentalized. Compartmentalized. What's that word? Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. We just find, found my detergent. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of an inside it joke. It is an inside so, joke. Lars it's, it's a word detergent that I can't say. Is, detergent. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to ask you word. to, but evidently <laughs> we found. No. And I, I think we just found one I can't say. But he just pulled it all in and then put the tide on his back. Uh, and, and he was so focused. And as a result, and you're right, Alabama would have just absolutely gotten clobbered because um, he was the only one making shots. Uh, he's the reason they won. Um, to be able to rise above that takes a concentration level that I can't compartmentalize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh God! Okay, so hey, let, let me. I want to clarify. I, I want to clarify a few things from the previous segment because I, I, I did misspeak, and uh, I apologize for that. Um, just to sort of go over everything here, just real quick. Um, so Greg Byrne, uh, he told ESPN in an interview uh, yesterday on the College Game Day podcast with, um, I believe it's Reese Davis and my former colleague at SI, uh, Pete Thamel, that uh, the school had learned some, quote, new facts in the previous 48 hours, both from Tuesday's preliminary hearing and afterward, 
and that Byrne said that the decision to allow Miller to play was made in, con- in consultation with university president, Dr. Stuart Bell, Nate Oates, and university legal counsel, and a few others at the school. And he said, again, that, that some of the new information uh, emerged uh, affected the school's decision to allow Miller to play yesterday. He said that Alabama didn't know of Miles's text message asking Miller to bring the gun to the scene until the police testified to it in the court hearing on Tuesday. Okay, so Nate Oates, when he spoke to the press on Tuesday, right after practice, he wasn't aware of what was going on down at the courthouse. Okay, so he didn't know that that information had been released by the police. And then Alabama officials also learned that Miller had already been on his way to pick up Miles when that text message arrived. And Byrne uh, added that Miles had wanted to be picked up for, quote, close to an hour before Miller made his way over and was, quote, already almost there when the text arrived. And the text that Miles allegedly sent to Miller, according to testimony from the preliminary hearing, included the slang term for wanting his gun, quote, I need my joint. Okay, so that, that, that's what we know. Uh, what I had said earlier was totally incorrect. Christian corrected me. Um, and, and that came from a, a, an article on sportsillustrated.com. And that's what happens when you don't have fact checkers like we, we used to. Anyway, uh, the, 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 the demise of journalism. And I'm just, I just be, became a part of it. Uh, because, hey, stop beating yourself uh, up. Uh, We're anyway. over it. All right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You got that? Uh, uh, but, seriously. But Byrne uh, also said that, and this is important, that, that uh, Brandon Miller never left his vehicle. And he was not involved in the collection of the we- of the weapon, and that uh, again, Byrne added that uh, Darius Miles had been asking Brandon to come pick him up for close to an hour. Brandon was already on his way to pick up Darius when he received the text message uh, from him that was reported during the preliminary hearing. So, uh, me personally. I ab- I absolutely uh, based on what I know, and again, none of us are lawyers here. I, I have no problem with Alabama playing Brandon Miller uh, during this whole stretch of time because he broke no laws, and in uh, in in it, it appears that he has been cooperative with police. Uh, and, and there are, but there are some contradictions, like I said earlier, between the statement that his attorney put out and the statement of the lead investigator uh, 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 into this tragedy of, by, uh, in the police department. But nonetheless, none of that suggests that that Brandon Miller was aware that a confrontate that a confrontation was occurring between two parties. Right, because he here's the one thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. There's one thing I gotta ask. And we're gonna get Passink on here in a minute and talk a, a, a tad about this, but mostly basketball. But uh, the stories get very conflicting when it comes to the text and the request. Did Miles really send that text? Uh, and did Miller respond to it? And that's why he drove the car in that general area with a gun in the back seat. 
and why um, Darius knew, knew where to go get it. And, and was, was Brandon Miller totally unaware of all of that? Then I think Alabama's okay there. Uh, it still kind of boggles my mind on uh, all of the things that we're discovering and that Alabama didn't know about. Uh, maybe, and, and I, I will certainly allow this thought, maybe there's some legalities here that Alabama as a university, as a basketball program, has to follow specific, specific guidelines that are laid down by their attorneys, and maybe that's why it appears, well, it doesn't appear, it seems awkward at times. With that in mind, I have got to know, guys, I've got to know what the heck was going on with those inbounds plays at the very end of the basketball game. One has been slightly explained to me. The other, I've never gotten an answer. I, I, I really don't know. The ball went out of bounds. It's Alabama's basketball. Uh, I don't care where your feet are. Anyway, Brian Pasek will pass along that information as we continue right here on the Thursday edition of Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. My brother. Uh, the record will indicate that. They've had their moments. They've gone into Rupp and handled Kentucky, who's on the verge of, of probably making the NCAA tournament. Uh, so they've, they've had their moments, and they're a team that can get hot from three. Um, they struggled defensively. There's a lot of flaws with the, the South Carolina Gamecocks. But, but they do shoot the ball well. And they shot it exceptionally well. They hit some ridiculously tough shots. Um, you know, they had a, a walk-on come in and knock down a shot who looked surprised, as surprised as anybody that the ball went through the net. They, they had a desperation shot clock in the shot clock buzzer. I'm not sure uh, their player was looking at the basket, just trying to release it, and then a half-court shot to end the half. Uh, so they were hitting shots uh, that they don't normally hit. I thought Alabama's defense wasn't terrible. Uh, I thought they did a good job of forcing difficult shots and contesting shots. But to South Carolina's credit, they did the things that you have to do to upset a top team. And and they were able to do that. And fortunately, it wasn't quite enough. And Alabama was able to gut out a huge victory. And (laughs) this is one of those games where if I would have told you Alabama's looking to get a huge victory, in Columbia, South Carolina, y'all would have thought I was crazy. Uh, but in the words of Gene Stallings, if you don't think it's a big game, try losing it. And mm, Alabama almost yeah. lost a big game uh, when you're trying to win a conference championship. It, this is kind of hard to say and and, uh, and understand in some regards this question because um, of what Alabama did to Georgia, what Alabama did earlier this year to Vanderbilt. But it does seem like, and there is a trend, maybe even a book out on Alabama, that if you play them as physical as you possibly can, you're going to throw them off their game. Am I off with that? No, I think that's the game plan. And I think uh, every team has tried to do that, and most have failed. Some have not. Um, Houston is an example. They're as physical a basketball team as anyone in the country. Very similar to Tennessee. Um, so and that was a hard-fought game. Alabama was able to beat the number one team at the time uh, and currently number one team in the country on the road, um, did not play as well against Tennessee. But those those types of games, Mississippi State is another example. A uh, physical team almost got Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So, yeah, that that's the game plan. Um, I would say 
easier said than done on on beating Alabama. Um, playing, you know, whatever way you want to play, this is a talented, tough, mature Alabama team. Uh, but over the course of a long season in college basketball, when you're playing 30 plus games, there's going to be games where you just don't have it, and your your typical um, your typical guys that produce for you aren't producing at their normal level, and the and the opponent gets hot. And that's why there's upsets in college basketball throughout the season. Uh, that's why March Madness is madness, because you never know. That's the nature of college basketball. And great teams are able to weather the storm, avoid that, uh, figure out ways to win. Uh, and Alabama, fortunately, was able to do that last night. Brian, I always have two-part questions for you, and I apologize. Uh, <laughs> what What is the bare minimum that Alabama has to do to secure a number one seed? Uh, not necessarily the top overall seed in the tournament, but just a, a number one seed. And then two, just on the court, what have you seen from Brandon Miller from game one to last night? Where has his biggest improvement been? So the first part of the question is, it's a really good question. And when you're competing for number one seed, um, it matters what you do. Obviously it also matters what the teams around you do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like when Alabama has gone years, decade plus of being on the bubble, seemingly every year, first four, uh, or last four in first four out, you know, and so it's what you do and it's what those around you do. The, the case is similar for trying to secure a number one seed. Uh, so this team will take the approach. Uh, you want a number one seed, beat Arkansas on Saturday. Uh, and that's where it starts. And then you look to a rival in, in Auburn and then to finish the regular season in College Station. Uh, so just finish strong. Keep getting better. Uh, try to improve on, on the areas that, that you're, you're struggling in and, and that you're inconsistent in, taking care of the ball. Um, you know, get other guys playing at a high level other than Brandon Miller. And, and they have been, uh, with the exception of last night. But uh, those are the things you could do. And as far as Brandon Miller, uh, when I saw him this summer, I, I thought, wow, I, I knew he was going to be good. I knew uh, McDonald's All-American, top 25 player nationally. Um, but you realize early this, this kid is special. This young man is special. Uh, and he has gotten better and better. And last night was one of the most impressive individual performances I've ever seen from an Alabama player. And, and I've seen a lot uh, over the over the decades. And it is up there with Colin Sexton's forty point game and the three on five game against mm -hmm. Minnesota. Uh, it's up there with Antonio McDice's game uh, in the NCAA tournament, uh, thirty nine and twenty against Penn in overtime. Uh, and you know you go to, and then then you start talking about teams that that I don't remember because I wasn't alive. The Rocket Eight and and some of the individual performances there. I mean Reggie King, you know, had forty three. I think it was maybe in an NIT game. Uh, in, that that is one of the, the great performances in Alabama history. But you know whether last night was the greatest of all time, it's definitely in the conversation. And whether Brandon Miller is the best player of all time. Uh, I'm not sure, but he's definitely in the conversation. He's a special player. And last night, all things considered, uh, was just an absolutely ridiculously impressive performance.
Brian, Alabama will host a talented Arkansas team Saturday at 1 p.m. in Tuscaloosa. What are the keys in that game for them to win? Well, Arkansas is all of a sudden the top five, top ten team that was predicted in the preseason. And a big reason why they were predicted by a lot of people to win the SEC and potentially get to a Final Four and compete for a national championship is because of Nick Smith Jr., who has spent the majority of the year out with injury. And he's come back the last several games and kind of worked his way back in. And he looked like a lottery pick in their last game. I think he had 26, 27 points against Georgia on Tuesday night. So this Arkansas team uh, is as good now as we thought they would be. So it's going to be a tough game against a really good team, Alabama, uh, when they take care of the ball. Uh, when they rebound the ball on both ends, they're very difficult to beat. But this is a ultra-talented Arkansas team coming in. Big, big game on Saturday. And uh, each and every game from here on out, championship is on the line. And that'll be the case on Saturday afternoon. We are rolling towards a showdown with Texas A&M. Don't talk about a rock fight. All right, uh, Brian, thank you so much. Glad to have you back in Alabama. And, um... We'll see you Saturday, 1 o'clock, Arkansas, if I got all that right, ESPN2. That's what they tell me. Looking forward to Uh, it. That's what what it says right here on the ESPN scoreboard. Uh, Thanks so much, Brian. We'll talk again very soon. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Brian. Brian. (laughs) Jinx. Jinx, Uh, your Minnesota (laughs) Lars. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, y'all are in the same studio, so y'all going to have to work that out. I know. Oh. Uh, when when I when I get back, you're just gonna have to allow me a couple of minutes. I gotta talk some baseball. This is really interesting stuff. I promise. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Hey, Pete. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Temperatures at record levels this afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, a small chance of a shower through tonight. The high today, 83, tonight's low 55. Noticeably cooler tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we are again. Big noon sports. Hey, Saturday, 1 o'clock. Mark it on your calendars. Get the streaming service. Pick it up wherever you can. Maybe on Valley here in Birmingham. So I know they're going to carry quite a few Atlanta Braves games. But the Braves will be taking on the Boston Red Sox spring training games. They're here. I'm watching. This is the first regular spring training that we've had since before the pandemic. So uh, all is good in baseball land. Now, Here's the story I want everybody at some time today to Google, search, whatever the case may be. All you have to do is just Google Mississippi State pitcher, and it'll it'll pop up and and with highlights all over the place. Gerangelo Shijanshi, and I think I got that right. I just took a stab at it. Uh, he pitches. He's what they call a switch pitcher. Y'all ever seen that? Lars, Christian? 
Yeah, he's amphibious. He can throw. No, I'm kidding. Ambidextrous. That's a line uh, from a movie. <laughs> I think I watched him last swim. year. I know. I know. Was he, was, Matt, was he there last year? Uh, you know, uh, or it, I, yeah, if, he's a freshman. If not last year, did, yeah. did we play Mississippi yeah. State in the fall or something like that? In like a, a exhibition uh, match. You know what, Matt? I almost they think do I, that. Now. I think I saw. I I'm almost positive I seen this guy play recently because now that you say that, I remember I was at the game, and I was with some friends and we were watching my buddy, his uh, younger brother's on the baseball team, and this guy was on the mound. Yeah, and, you are correct, uh, according to our Joe Gaither here. So yes. they played in that. Okay, so that that okay. So I was at that game, Matt, and I saw him in person. And I just remember we you know we were casually talking because we were waiting for my my friend's younger brother to pitch. Well, we as we were talking, we were like, "Oh, this guy can pitch pretty well." And then like we would look up, and it was like he's turned the other way. And I was like, "Hold on, is he left-handed or right-handed?" And then he switched again. And Matt, he kept, he was going back and forth, and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. So. Yeah. I, I wow. actually got to see him in person, and, and all of us in the stands were just blown away because he, I mean, and, he was making it look effortless. And I'm seeing that he can throw a 97-mile-an-hour fastball right-handed, and he can throw 92 left-handed. Oh, like, if you have to see him do it. like I mean, <laughs> he, he he doesn't lose yeah. a step when he switches. It's incredible. No. It's, I, 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 I don't even know how His to explain delivery. it. It, you have to you have to look at the video, yeah. and I know this is radio. It's an audio medium, but you have to look at the video because his you would never know that he could also do this when he's pitching left handed because his motion, his delivery is just so left handed like. Yeah. But then he turns around, righty steps up, he goes back to the right, and as a result, I think this most recent game they were playing La Monroe. Uh, he picked up his second win of the year. He went four innings, um, didn't Force, give up yeah. uh, a run, just one hit, a walk, and uh, struck out seven. Yeah. So, you know, he he, he, he can throw it, Matt. I mean, let me ask you, though, because yeah. you're more of a baseball guy. I, I like watching baseball. I You know, I'm a little new, I guess. I started watching around high school. I had a couple boys that played. But have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, I, I know I haven't, but, again, I mean, you've watched a lot longer than me. I saw a video of a guy doing it many, many years ago, but he wasn't even close to what this guy's doing. Mm. Uh, so, no, I've never seen anybody that can pitch from each side and throw 90-plus left and right-handed. Wow. Just, uh, it's just, you know, it's one thing to switch hitters. I mean, you see that all the time. Sure. So, uh, I wonder if a guy is a switch hitter, if he can stop you know, jumping uh, over from batter's box to batter's box. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Um, apparently, he is. There's a he's rule. A natural, he's a natural lefty. This is interesting. He's a natural lefty, and from the left-hand side, when he's throwing left-handed, uh, his fastball reaches 92. But then he turns around, and from the right-hand side, he actually has better stuff. And his fastball hits 96. Um, And um, he uh, was picked by the Brewers as an 18th round draft pick last year. Uh, Decided to pass that up. And uh, wow, I mean, what is what? what, 
he's a baseball unicorn. I, 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 I have never seen anything like this in my life. I, I'm glad you brought this uh, to our attention. I, I think I now have a favorite player in college baseball who's not from Alabama. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, it really is. What a, what a talent. Um, I'll bet you when Mississippi State comes over to Tuscaloosa, they'll put a few more people at the Joe. Although Alabama doesn't do bad in their draws in baseball. Uh, and they're up and coming. But, hey, I, I got to ask you this, Christian. Did your buddy's uh, brother ever get to pitch? He did, yeah. Uh, he, he's doing really well. His name is uh, Riley Quick. So he actually, I think he had a, a football scholarship as, as well. Um, but I think he opted just to play strictly baseball. Uh, but, yeah, he's a solid pitcher himself. His older brother, uh, Pierce Quick, you might remember the name, mm-hmm. uh, was offensive lineman here and transferred to Georgia Tech. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I was at the game with uh, Pierce and, and their family. We got to watch Riley pitch. But uh, I'll be honest, uh, the, the switch pitcher kind of stole the show once everybody caught on to what he yeah. was doing uh, just because it just blew everybody away. Well, well, Matt, I need to head, head over. I sure. need to head over to campus for for class. So uh, you and Christian have the second hour um, together. But uh, hope everybody has a wonderful Thursday. Thank you, Lars. See you in the morning. Northport and W two six five CT Tuscaloosa Tide one hundred point nine and screaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Got to about 1 o'clock here on Big Noon Sports. Matt, Christian, Lars driving to campus to uh, Reese Pfeiffer to do a little journalism class or two. Um, Things to talk about. Of course, Alabama's big win at South Carolina as they fought off the pesky Gamecocks 78-76. Brandon Miller, very focused player last night, put up 41 in fact, the only one other player even made a three. Um, I'm not even sure. Was it Sears? I can't remember exactly. Wait, but only one other guy anyway, on Alabama's team made a three? Yeah, I wow. think that's right. I can go back and look look at the, the box score. Uh, and Miller, I, I think, had six. Um, wow. I need to get the box score before I just start spouting off these statistics. But... Um, Josh Smith, our producer here in Birmingham, just brought something to my attention, which we need to send a shout-out uh, in Tuscaloosa to Pat Murphy. Uh, picked up 12. He now has 1,200 wins. Um, that's a lot in any sport, any league, whatever. Uh, but let's see where I want to get this, and I am looking at the stats. That would make him the 15th winningest coach in women's softball history. Wow. Uh, he uh, he has created, uh, could you say dynasty? I don't for a couple a couple of years ago, but uh, he is uh, he's the guy. He recruits and knows how to manage a ball game, and you know as a result, Alabama responds uh, 
I love women's softball. In fact, I used to do and help out with UAB when Marla Townsend was over there, who, by the way, is an Alabama product. Um, it's a lot like baseball with the strategy and so forth, except it's a little bit more uh, run, bunt oriented, which I wish sometimes baseball was. But uh, it's just so much fun to watch. And these, they can play, ladies and gentlemen. And um, it's very, very, obviously, very pitching-oriented because you get somebody that can dominate it um, because uh, you can just about pitch your best pitcher every game. Not every game, but you know what I mean. You get in a postseason, you you can. But uh, I don't know if you go over and watch much women's softball or not, but uh, Alabama is certainly among the top five programs in the entire nation, Christian. Yeah, well, you, you, it's hard to, to watch them. There's so so many people in attendance, it's hard to even get there. I know half the time I've gone to the games, they're sold out, Matt. Like, you have to get there early enough to get a ticket and, and be able to um, attend the game. But they, they're, they're very impressive. They're very consistent. They've had, you know, sustained success for a long time. And they're very talented. They're fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy watching softball. It's, it's always great just having – I think we're just – you know, we have to sit back sometimes and realize um, how special this university is in terms of just the success all around um, in, in all these sports. I mean, baseball is playing great right now. I know they just started, but um, they look great. The basketball team is playing better than ever. Uh, you know, football obviously has, has been successful for, you know, however long and then – it is truly the best dynasty in college football. So I think University of Alabama is just truly a special place, man. And you, you see that, you know, day in and day out um, throughout all the athletic programs. Yeah, and um, you just continue to, to watch how they play. And you're right. Um, it's hard to get a seat. It, it really is. And um, the other thing, I, this kind of might sound bad, I don't know. They're over fast, you know? Uh, average college softball game, I would say, what, Josh, uh, hour and a half? About like 90 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. They play, uh, what, seven innings, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically when you have Montana fouls pitching, I mean, a lot of times it's just three up, three down. That's true. Yeah, and, and like eight pitches or nine, she'll strike out the side. Uh, by the way, is she in her 11th year of eligibility? <laughs> oh, man. Doesn't it seem like she's been there a long time? I guess most of that is due to the fact that she was so brilliant as a freshman. Yeah. But I guess she also got the bonus year from COVID, right? Yep, so I guess she'd be in her yeah, fifth and year. especially with NIL now. Yeah. Yes. And there's no, there's a world, you know, there's world games. There's no Olympics. There's nothing else after college really for softball. Uh, there are some professional softball leagues, aren't there? I think there's, you know, there's like the U.S. women's team or some type of team. I, I feel like I've seen, but, um, you know, Josh made a great point though with NIL. Why not? capitalize off this opportunity and you know be a member of Alabama softball program as long as you can you know she's able to um, be compensated now you know she's the star of the program the face of the program so she's probably making really good money uh, uh, if you're a fifth year I'd, I'd assume you're you know 21 through 23 maybe it's around 22 I'd guess 
So, I mean, she's in a pretty good spot. Uh, I think she probably would use as much eligibility as she can, and I can't blame her. You know, I didn't think about it from that aspect. She's probably pulling down six figures, don't you think? I would imagine 150, so. 200, something like that? I would imagine so. Uh, yeah, why, why graduate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man. I mean, there's no need to at this point. She's probably making more money this year than she, she would moving forward if she did play in a professional league or whatnot. If there, again, if there's not a professional, but like a, like a U.S. team or something. I mean, there's obviously, there's some type of, I've seen a U.S. Softball team. Hey, did you US have any? Team, yeah. Or Josh, y'all have there's any? No WNBA. What is it again, Josh? There is the USA team. Yeah. They do play, but there's nothing really professional as far as WNBA level. There's something world where they play against other countries. Yes. Yeah, right. But that's but still amateur. There's no developmental league uh, for that, really. But you're talking about what? 15, 20 players professionally? <laughs> that's all we got? Yeah, there no. I thought there were, and that's just me. I uh, not being informed. I thought there was a small league where there was, you know, interleague like play. But uh, evidently there is. But one of the teams is in America, and the other one's in Argentina, and another one's in Japan. Yep. Hey, while we're on this subject, and uh, we're just kind of cruising through a Thursday afternoon, trying to ease our way into the weekend. And talking about women's athletics, I am going to brag on, um, actually know her pretty well. Uh, we are kind of in the same club, one of the same clubs. I'm not going to get any detail on that, but it's an honor for both. Anyway, Beanie Ketchum, and I'll bet there's some people driving around that just went, oh, I know who he's talking about. Beanie Ketchum didn't play high school softball. She played high school baseball. And she just didn't play high school baseball. She played at Vestavia Hills, which I think at one time won six out of eight state championships. Sammy Dunn, one of the best baseball minds and coaches I've ever seen in my life. Well, Beanie comes out there and says she wants to play. You know, this is like a girl walking onto a, a rookie ball men's team going, hey, I want to play. And everybody goes, <laughs> sure. I don't think they did that. I think there were a few people that did, but not within the Vestavia Hills High School baseball program. So Sammy, being the kind of guy he was, said, all right, come on, let's go over to the bullpen. Uh, she couldn't break 85, but she had the nastiest stuff you ever want to see. And I believe she was left-handed. And in a storied program like Vestavia Hills baseball, she became the third pitcher in their rotation. Do you understand? Third. Third against guys uh, that ended up playing college baseball. Wow. And Beanie was just quite simply a, a B.A. And after she finished there, she played, I think, some college softball. But baseball was her game. And there was a professional. This is right out of the... Uh, what is it? The Rockford Peaches? Uh, there was a small professional women's baseball league. And Beanie hooked up with, I think, what was called at the time the Silver Bullets. Anybody want to guess who sponsored them? Come on. Come on. I wouldn't Coors know. Light. Wow. Coors Light. Silver Bullets. Yeah, you, you're not a beer drinker. You're not a drinker anyway. 
Yeah, I used, but, to, I used to have my fair uh, share of beers back in the day. <laughs> uh, well, I had my fair share last night. I'm just okay. Good right, for you. Kind of crazy. Uh, well, yesterday was a really good day in a lot of ways. So uh, my wife and I sat around and just uh, had a few cocktails, and that's that's okay. No driving, no nothing. Go to bed. Anyway, uh, Beanie ended up playing, I think, for the Silver Bullets, and they were a really good baseball team. They were so good that they played one of the lower-level single-A men's professional team. Beanie pitched. Beanie won. Really? Yep. Just throwing this this uh, twelve to six curveball, and then a, the equivalent of a slider that had a quick break on it. Just always think that uh, when I think about women athletes, I think about Beanie Ketchum. And I, I saw her just a couple of years ago at a dinner, and uh, she's still same classy, talented lady. But. All right. Uh, hey, let's uh, let's move to Fairhope here, literally. Well, figuratively, because uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Mick Gillespie. Uh, y'all know him. Y'all love him. We will talk about some Alabama sports. And uh, since he is also a baseball guy, I wonder if he remembers Beanie Ketcher. That was like in the 80s, because I remember I was still at Channel 13. I remember going out there and doing a story on him. And as I said, you know, it's just jaw-dropping stuff. You know what else and is jaw-dropping now? Players. It, what? Uh, yeah, what? The names back in the day. These names are great. Beanie Ketchum. Like, just think yeah. about the Think uh-huh. about all the athlete names, like, you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s. They had the best names. Uh, they, uh, there used to be a baseball <laughs> pitcher many years ago. And believe it or not, Christian, this is even before my time. Uh, his name was nicknamed whatever it was two fingers brown see oh that's awesome but uh, i don't mean i don't understand it, it but <laughs> uh you know we might do and, and they're well how about great old football names or nicknames the galloping ghost red grange ask lars about that he did a full book on him all right uh i am uh just kind of uh running on at the mouth here we'll get back mick gillespie will be with us on big news sports From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Did you? Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Temperatures at record levels this afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, a small chance of a shower through tonight. The high today, 83, tonight's low 55. Noticeably cooler tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Welcome back to Big Doom Sports. Matt Coulter along with Christian Miller. Lars taking the second hour off so he can... Uh, he's a professor. He's an instructor. Um, 
He teaches a couple of journalism classes at the University of Alabama. So that's where he is. Uh, We're joined now by Mick Gillespie, who uh, I just got a text, Mick, and um, I'm, I'm pretty upset, man. You're at Lulu's, which is right there on the intercoastal. You cross the bridge. It's on your left. I know it exactly where it is. Uh, and I sure wish I was right there with you having a really good piece of fish and a cold. What is, what's your sponsor? Pittsburgh's Finest? Yeah, look, I mean, this is that's where, I, where I'm at right now. I mean, like, we we were going to go to Florbama, and then I was like, hey, let's just, you know, let's just today, let's hit Lulu's. So that's what we did. We, so we're like the only boat, boat parked out there right now. Um, yeah, that's, it's a pretty chill scene. It's definitely not tourist season, which makes it a lot easier to get it get in and out around here. You know, I love the beach, and I love Alabama's coast. Um, but I'm telling you, from, um, I guess, literally from the tip of Gulf Shores all the way to Panama City, trying to get on 98 and negotiate is just, man, it just... It doesn't make it not worth it to use a double negative. Uh, but, man, it's, it's frustrating. You can't get a table unless you go to dinner somewhere at 4 o'clock. Right now, though, you could walk <laughs> in and get whatever you wanted at Lulu's, right? Yeah. Hey, did, yeah like tell that, everybody the history. You, What's that? Who owns Lulu's? Do you, you you know, don't you? Who is Lulu? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Buffett's sister. Lulu Buffett. Yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Lulu yeah, Buffett. So, I'd yeah. love to meet her. I mean, I, I I've never met her before, but her pictures are here, you know. And I mean, she's definitely got a great restaurant. And you know, I was just down in Key West, and um, you know, and and that's where I guess Margaritaville started while he was there. I met one of the bartenders at uh, Blue Heaven, which is the restaurant I ate while I was there. Actually, used to work with you know with with Jimmy Buffett when he owned the, the restaurant there, and he was telling me stories. You know, an older guy. Uh, and kind of how he started and, and did all this. And then so his sister owns this place. And it's great. I mean, like, you can just pull right up here and walk right in and, yeah. you know, and hang out. It's, it's a, it, and today's great. I mean, this is like a record-setting day. I think if it hits 82, we're going to set the record for the warmest day. Wow. Hey, let me tell you all a, a quick Buffett story, all right? Uh, sure. Many, many years ago... Uh, 12, 15, maybe more. They shot a film based on the life of Ty Cobb. It was simply called Cobb. But in order to get the full effect of the era he played in, they shot a lot of the video. They shot a lot of the film at Rickwood. And they needed extras that could halfway throw a baseball, field a baseball. Well, I ended up being the right fielder for the 1918 Philadelphia A's, a team in which Cobb played against. I think at one time he played for them. But Buffett played the role of the one-armed man that Cobb went into the stands and beat the hell out of one game. True story. But Jimmy Buffett was the one-armed man in the stands at Rickwood. And Everybody standing around watching them shoot this scene. It was just wonderful, and Buffett was just delightful. Um, of course, he had to shoot a, a scene, this scene with Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, and I'll just pass on comment because I think you know. Um, he was a you know what kind of person. All right, 
But anyway, we watched all these scenes, watched all these scenes. Then at the end of the shoot, they pulled a huge flatbed out um, in foul territory right there in front of the third base side. Buffett's band was there, and he gave everybody that was doing that film a free concert. Is that a cool guy? Yeah, I've heard that about him. That's what the bartender guy was telling me. Just how cool he was, and you know what it, you know, kind of how he got, kind of got started with all of this stuff. And we know his music, but he's an entrepreneur as well. And then here, you know, this is a fantastic place. So that's a great story. I, I didn't realize you were, you know, part of that movie, but I, that's one of my favorites. I've actually played at Rick Wood and broadcast there, so I don't know that there's many people that can say yeah. that. Um, but I, I love that place. Oh, it's just full of baseball history and the number of people that played there from Ruth to Aaron, Reggie Jackson. Uh, it, it is Satchel. a monument in its own right. Yeah, Satchel Satchel Page. You're, you're right. Dude, I think the greatest baseball player, and I'm including Willie Mays, uh, the greatest baseball player in the history of Alabama. You know, and I mean, that's pretty high praise when you're talking about, you know, Willie, who's maybe one of the top five guys of all time, but uh, just to show you how good our history is as far as baseball players goes uh, in this state, you know, but he played there with the Black Barons, and, you know, who knows? I mean, we could do a whole show on what Satchel would have done if he'd have been in the major leagues. He might have, you know, had 400 wins. Who knows? There's maybe the greatest pitcher of all time. Mick, uh, yeah, he, uh, oh, go ahead, he did get in the big leagues when he was 52, and he won. Yeah, he, he was amazing. Christian, go ahead. Fire away. I just was going to ask his uh, thoughts on last night's uh, big win over South Carolina. I know uh, they were a big favorite going into the game, but uh, really had to, to go in there and, and, and dig that win out of there, especially in overtime. Just curious on what your thoughts were after watching that game, Mick. Yeah, look, I, I was impressed with, uh, with Miller. I mean, I think it's hard to argue that he's not one of the greatest players in Alabama history. Just the way that every time Alabama needed a shot in the game, on the road, in that environment, hey, give him the ball. But the other guys did a good job, too, of helping him get to the basket in those spots. It was maybe his greatest game at Alabama. Um, you know, the, there's a lot going on, a lot of noise outside of the arena. And for those guys to go in there and play like that was really impressive. And uh, I thought that was a great win. I mean, they've got some tough games ahead, and this SEC regular season title isn't cinched up at all. I mean, they've got, they're going to have to – Texas a and is a pretty good team too right now, but I thought that was uh, – the performance by Miller last night was phenomenal. Uh, basketball question for you, Mick. Uh, as I watched Brandon Miller hit his threes – and then late in the game, he just said, hey, by golly, take me on. And he just charged the basket and just made huge shot after huge shot. Why Why didn't Lamont Paris ever, and I know this may sound like a gadget, at least double team him, maybe throw a triangle and two out there. Uh, when you know he's going to score with a basketball, can't you at least D up on him and put two guys? I don't know. I think that the, at the end of the game, the pick that, Betty Ako said was I mean that was oh. that's what championship teams do, man. I mean like Well, the the restrictions now on shifts and the larger bases 
which, by the way, I think is going to have a much larger effect on baseball than anybody possibly imagines. Uh, we are going to see what they want, and that's more offense. Instead of learning baseball as it should be, hit the ball the opposite field. That'll stop those shifts. All right, uh, go inside, get your, get your, get your plate of grouper. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll do that. I think I have a tuna dip coming my way. So great to uh, talk to you guys. Uh, you too, always, Mick. Thank you. Oh, uh, Mick Gillespie on three sports. He's got broadcast podcasts. Just googling. It's kind of like you're going to Google Gerangelo, the guy that can throw 90 miles an hour with his right. 90 miles an hour with his left. I meant to ask Mick about that. When we get back, Christian Miller's going to wrap up the show. We'll be right back. <laughs> From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The new Christian Reed. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Temperatures at record levels this afternoon, a mixture of clouds and sunshine, a small chance of a shower through tonight. The high today, 83, tonight's low 55. Noticeably cooler tomorrow, mostly cloudy, a few scattered showers, the high 65. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 80 degrees in Tuscaloosa. About to wrap things up. Big Noon Sports for this Thursday. Christian Miller, Matt Coulter, Josh, Joe, Aiden all here. Lars is uh, in front of his class right now. Actually, I guess in a few minutes um, as he teaches a couple of journalism classes at the University of Alabama. Um, Christian, as we wrap things up, uh, have I left anything uh, on the table here? Is something you wanted to bring up that I did it? Uh, sure. Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his darkness. And uh, maybe we'll have some more details or some profound um, insight uh, coming out soon, maybe. I don't know. But uh, I'm curious to see, first and foremost, I guess, how the retreat went. Obviously, it, it went fine. He stayed uh, the entirety of uh, his retreat. I think it was like four days. And uh, I guess he's out now. And, and I guess we're, we're waiting to, to hear from him how that went. And, and if any insight was uh found while he was in that retreat on whether he's going to play and if he does where he's interested in playing so i don't know if you kept up with that but me and my dad have been very interested in this my dad thinks you know obviously he's a hoot but i think it's kind of interesting man if anything i I respect the guy i mean to to sit with yourself for that long with nothing to distract you um that's quite impressive you know most people can't even meditate for five minutes right i mean imagine four days um, and I, I'm not sure. Did you read up on it? Like, it, like what, uh, yeah. what it was like, or like, you know, what he was in? Because if you no. do, it's kind of interesting. It's like halfway underground. Um, it's out in Oregon. Uh, all he has there is is a toilet, a bed, um, a, a mat to meditate. Um, it's a it's a facility that's specifically for this. And um, yeah, they, they they bring you food. Uh, I think. I think two meals, but I think they serve it to you once a day, I believe, if I read that correctly. And uh, basically, you're in there by yourself, alone with your own thoughts in the dark, 
and uh, it's, it's supposed to, to be a profound experience where you kind of uh, have this this self-realization moment. So that, that that's what he's been doing, and, and I guess today he's just emerged, and that's what a lot of people are talking about right now. I wonder how often when he's sitting in there, uh, he thinks, gosh, I wish I had a good wide receiver. <laughs> um, I, uh, would, not... Uh, yeah, and sometimes when you look at what he's done and, and the MVP seasons uh, he's had, and then you look at their wide receivers, I mean, Randall Cobb's only going to take you so far. Yeah. I like the Lazar kid, but, you know, he's no AJ. So uh, would you have any interest in the world in doing what he did? Absolutely not. You know, again, I respect okay. people that could that could do something like that, Matt, but I, I just couldn't do it. I'd, I'd probably drive myself nuts. I mean... I'd, I'd do probably a bunch of push-ups. I'd try to rest. I think they said a, a lot of sleep obviously takes place in there. But, again, this is a, like a 300-square-foot, what they call, quote-unquote, a cave with no lighting, a queen bed, bathroom, and a yoga mat. So uh, I have no interest personally in doing that. Um, but to each his own. And uh, I don't, who knows? Maybe it was maybe it was great for him. That, that's why I'm curious. I really want to know what it was like. Like it's it gets it's entertaining to me. Like I, I really want to know. I'm, I'm waiting for him to break his silence. But if I had to guess, we're probably not going to hear anything until he goes on the Pat McAfee show because that's obviously where he feels most comfortable. And uh, he he goes on there and shares a lot of his, uh, you know, personal details about his life. So if I had to guess, you know, next time he appears on the Pat McAfee show, we'll, we'll receive a lot more details. Pat McAfee is the hottest interview slash show going. He's great. Is he not? He's great. No, he is. I mean, and and usually it's producer like Josh or host like Matt calling up people and beg, hey, come, come on, come on, come on. Can you get on the show? Right. I think the quarterbacks are calling him. Yeah, well, I th- uh, they, they just feel they, comfortable, Matt. You know, again, I mean, he's a you know yeah. former player himself and – you got A.J. Hawk on there as well, another former player. And, again, I, I said this last time I talked about him, but when you watch it, it just feels almost like guys just hanging out, you know, post-practice in the locker room, just shooting stuff. And, and that's why guys feel comfortable, especially a guy like Aaron Rodgers. He obviously has his, his beef with the media. And that's basically his only news outlet that he feels comfortable sharing those intimate details with. Um, but yeah, P- Pat is killing it. And he, it, you know, if you watch him, he's just entertaining. He's exciting. He has this exuberant energy. You know, you see him. He does WWE announcing um, ringside. I mean, he's <laughs> he's funny to listen to. You watch him on on College Game Day. I mean, he he's he's not afraid to you know say what's on his mind. I think that's what makes him great. Well, and you nailed it, Christian. Um, I'm quite certain players feel very comfortable around him because he's been there, done that, and gotten a T-shirt. Yeah. And as a result, you know, they're uh, they're a lot more likely to open up than they are, you know, writer for uh, USA Today. Sure. Yeah. Um, did you ever have a guy in the media that you really felt like maybe uh, a kinship, or was it just everyday <laughs> business as usual? I'll ask a few questions. Funny enough, man, I hated the media. Not the people, but I, I just hated... I don't like being in the spotlight, which is funny me saying this now. I do radio. I have a radio show, right? But I, I used to just... I, I know. It's just one of those things. It started in high school with recruiting. Like, I just wanted to be able to go through the recruiting process. I didn't want all the eyes on me. 
Um, cause I felt like it took away from my other teammates. I, I felt like it put me on a pedestal, which I, I was thankful for the recognition. Um, but in reality, I just looked at myself like anybody else. You know, I just had some amazing opportunities awaiting me at the next level. Um, and that's kind of where it came from. And I used to just try to just, you know, be that, that kind of, you know, just guy in the background, just kind of like a little shadow, just go about my business. Um, so to answer your question, there weren't any really anybody specifically. I, I grew to, to appreciate the media because my dad always told me, you know, the power's in the pen, right? And, you know, you don't ever, you don't ever want to be on somebody's bad side because then they can start writing negatively about you. And, and I wasn't ever rude or I had any malice towards media. I used to just try to stay away. But uh, <laughs> I, I learned to, to have a, you know, a, a great relationship with those guys uh, as I went through the program and spoke to them more often. But everybody was very respectful to me when I ever spoke to the media, and I appreciated that. And I know that went both ways, as, uh, as I would most imagine. But um, if you're ever put in that position again, here I, I should have uh, talked to you seven or eight years ago. TV guy needs 15 seconds of clean sound, and he's out of there. Now, a beat writer is going to want to get into your head a little bit and talk more. Oh, yeah. But what I've seen change in the media as far as coverage in my lifetime, we don't have enough hours. We really don't. Hey, Christian, have a great day. Let's do this again tomorrow. Sounds good, man. Paid non-attorney spokesperson.